This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Well, hello and welcome back to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled. And if you missed our announcement last week, we are Bobsled by Acadia now. Very exciting. But I'm still back here with the podcast as I am every week. And again, joined by a frequent collaborator and guest of the show, Russ Derringer. Welcome back, Russ. Hey, Kiri. Thanks for having me. So if you missed my last conversation with Russ, it was about what will it take for Walmart to win, which is a little bit of a non sequitur because we talked about there's no real zero-sum game (laughs) in the world of retail marketplaces. But we're continuing our conversation today about Walmart and the place that it sort of holds in the marketplace ecosystem, how brands look at Walmart, what are some of the things that we see them working on and what they'll need to do to continue to stay relevant and capture more of that accelerating media budget in the future. So before we jump in, Russ, I'll just read out your bio for anyone who hasn't caught an episode with you before. So Russ Derringer is the founder of Stratably, a company dedicated to elevating the digital IQ of leading consumer brands. Each week, Russ creates impactful, practical, and easy-to-digest research that speaks to all layers of an organization, helping them to see further around the corner of what's coming in retail. So today, Russ, we're going to get back to our conversation about Walmart and dive right into advertising, really. And advertising is, we've recently seen Amazon split out their advertising revenue and Walmart, you know, we've seen that for a little while as well. What we're going to talk about today is how Walmart is competing here. And in one of your recent research notes, you mentioned this term called connect and luminate. And I thought it sounded kind of, you know, like a McKinsey kind of project or connect and luminate, like that would be phase one of a transformation strategy or something like that. But could you explain what connect and luminate are for Walmart? Sure. And maybe they hired one of the consulting firms to help (laughs) them come up with those names. I don't know. I don't know the story behind the names, but Walmart Connect and Walmart Luminate They're different things, but they're both essentially plays at monetizing Walmart's growing digital traffic. And Walmart's peers like Kroger would call these types of programs alternative profit streams. So all of the omni-channel retailers are developing similar things. So Walmart Connect is its advertising business. They had previously worked with Triad, but then they moved that retail media operation in-house a few years ago. And this advertising business looks a lot like Amazon's advertising business. So they have paid search, things like sponsored products, what Amazon calls sponsored brands, Walmart calls brand amplifiers. So if you go on walmart.com and you search for you know a given product, you'll see some of the results are advertisements and that falls under paid search. Walmart Connect also includes its programmatic offering and Walmart is partnering with the trade desk to power its programmatic advertising. And it just started testing this in the fourth quarter with 
some of the largest brands out there. So I think they're testing it with 20 of the largest consumer brands. So that isn't necessarily fully rolled out, but they are progressing towards that. So that's Connect, that's advertising. Luminate is essentially Walmart's data business. And it's a analytics product that both Walmart's merchants and its suppliers can tap into. So sort of like a single source of truth and merchants are being trained on it right now. So this hasn't necessarily been fully rolled out. The merchants are being exposed to it and learning how to use it. And then the consumer brands will be able to access it as well. There's different components to Luminate. They describe it as having three different modules around shopper behavior, customer perception, and channel performance. So you can do things like your own studies of the consumer and that type of thing. It's really meant to unlock the power of Walmart's scale in the data that it has. And so in that respect, it's compelling. However, in my research, it is still unclear to many in the industry how this data is going to be truly differentiated from what suppliers can already get from other third parties. So that's going to be something that Walmart needs to demonstrate. Mm. And my understanding right now is that there's no charge for it or no requirement to buy it, but it is likely that Walmart is going to roll out a more kind of formal cost to the program in the future. Some speculate that the upcoming supplier summit is when that might happen. So more to come on Luminate, but it's essentially, it's attempting to monetize all of the data that it's getting from its digital business. So this would be conceivably a data that would replace something like a Profitero kind of data package? I'm not sure about Profitero, but it would run up against analytics offerings from like Numerator and maybe even Nielsen as well. So there are like alternatives out there in the market that brands are relying on to get some of these insights. And so that's where Walmart's going to have to say like, well, this is why it's different. And this is why, you know, you would want to, you know, pay us money to access it. That's really interesting. I recall when Amazon rolled out a whole suite of catalog and market analysis tools to sellers in 2017 that were reminiscent of data that vendors could purchase from Amazon at a cost, at a pretty substantial cost a lot of the time. And they made all of this like market basket analysis and search term analysis all free of charge to sellers. And why would they do that when they were charging vendors substantial amounts of money for that? Well, it was to highlight product opportunities and catalog opportunities and bundling opportunities and really get sellers kind of hooked on this customer data coming in from Amazon, which until that point had been pretty much a black box. So it's interesting that you think that Walmart might be going in the opposite direction and sort of charging for it up front, especially given that, you know, they've got some ground to make up with Amazon. Yeah, I think it's always that tension, right? And I think mm. especially with Walmart, there's this tension with the digital business where, and they are growing fast and they want to grow it faster, but there's also like this kind of carefulness or caution I think they have around not giving away anything they don't need to give away. So I'm sure there was a healthy debate around that, you know, 
what should we charge? Should we just make this free in order to help, you know, consumer brands really maximize their business online? And then ultimately that'll lead to more, you know, profits for everyone. So I'm sure there was a healthy debate around it, but I just think with a lot of these omni-channel retailers, they almost like can't help themselves, but try to monetize the digital (laughs) side of it, which is, you know, of course, pressuring their overall corporate margins. And so there is that real pressure. And so how do we sort of, you know, offset that? And that's why I mentioned Kroger earlier. I mean, they say like these other data businesses, advertising, we call these alternative profit streams. <laughs> so mm. that kind of gives you the perspective. Says that it all. Coming from. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Well, let's dive into advertising specifically now. So in some recent research, you noted that Walmart in some ways can afford to be complacent essentially with their ad products because many brands, not all, but many are required to spend a certain amount of their GMV on advertising on Walmart. So what do you think Walmart needs to do here to shake off, if anything, that sense of complacency? Yeah. And I think I would describe it as, I don't think Walmart can afford to be complacent. I think complacency can creep in because they can secure advertising dollars without necessarily needing to demonstrate the best ROI. And so what I mean by that is like part of the power in a really impactful Walmart ad business is that you can do digital activations that drive digital and in-store initiatives. And that's like this theoretical outcome, this concept of like closed loop reporting and the seamless omni-channel type experience. But right now large, medium-sized consumer brands, they're making connect investments partially, not entirely, but partially because they need to protect their physical store programs. So what I mean by that is these brands have a pragmatic choice to make when they negotiate with Walmart, which Walmart wants them to spend a certain amount of money on advertising. And the consumer brands, they might not necessarily think the ROI is super compelling, They might want to have more self-service capabilities with it. They might wish reporting and analytics were better and, you know, so on. But they might also accept a suboptimal ad return right now because they like the full picture, the full program that they have with Walmart, which includes its stores. So Walmart stores are impacting digital advertising spend, but not because there's some great closed loop impact, but rather... These brands, they want end caps, they want assortment distribution, they like the overall joint business plan. So they have to spend some amount of money on Connect because that's what Walmart wants them to do. But it's not like a pure sort of like market-driven outcome. It's part of the overall negotiation with Walmart, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think you're totally right there. Do you think that they need to change anything about their advertising value prop? I think there's a number of improvements they need to make. And maybe the biggest one is usable, reliable reporting and attribution. And Walmart should think of this as an opportunity to be the leader here in helping brands understand what is the real impact and give them real reliable information because that is going to unlock budgets. You know, right now, a lot of the conversations between Walmart and consumer brands is Walmart saying, we want you know, X dollars or X percent of your GMV to be spent on Connect. And it's sort of like, that's the end of the sentence. But 
for Walmart to be really impactful and attract incremental dollars, it's got to be, you know, we want X percent because we believe that's going to drive this amount of incremental sales and here's why and here's case studies. And then it's got to deliver on those results. So the program today has been described to me as sort of like difficult to really understand what is the real return on my connect spending. So the more they can make that easier to analyze, that's one of the big things I think that is going to help Walmart connect attract, you know, truly incremental dollars. So that's the biggest one. Yep. Yep. And you also mentioned like there's some other areas like what about smaller brands? Yeah, I think Walmart Connect in some respects has been focused on sort of the largest brands. So to give you a sense of this, like on programmatic, there's a $100,000 minimum range. So you're already sort of like limiting yourself to sort of the largest advertisers with that type of minimum. So how can Walmart, you know, help smaller brands? Can we reduce those minimums? Because that can really unlock a lot of budgets when you add up all those smaller to, you know, mid-sized brands. And they are making some progress in this respect. For instance, they've recently unveiled a smaller minimum opportunity on programmatic. So I think it's a, around $30,000 per month and you work with a certain group in order to manage that spend. So they want to open this up. They just haven't necessarily done that to a large degree. So I think that'll be something that will come in 2022 is let's really try to open up this platform. And that has implications for their marketplace sellers too, right? You know, a lot of these marketplace sellers that have made Amazon's marketplace what it is are smaller to midsize, and they're not necessarily going to be spending $100,000 per month on programmatic advertising, but they do have some money to spend. And when you add that up across tens of thousands of sellers, it can be a great advertising business. So I think that's, you know, another area is, is opening this up for smaller brands. There's also like functionality things that Walmart Connect can do. On-site display is still described as pretty clunky. Click-through rates aren't great because there's not great calls to action on those ads. So, you know, that's something that Walmart can do. So some of this is business strategy, like who are we targeting and how do we open up that side? And then some of it's just functionality and technical developments that they need to improve in order to just make the overall platform more attractive to more brands. Yep. I think the big one that we see at Bobsled is the first price auction format and how that really impacts cost per click. And it's just a less competitive model, more costly, ROAS is higher. It's just apples and oranges when you think about how merchants are being charged for a click on Walmart. And I think that that is, to me, the fundamental shift that needs to happen is changing from a first price auction to a second price auction. And that would finally put Walmart sort of on par with Amazon, Instacart, Critio, sort of biddable media. Absolutely. I think you're right that that is like just another kind of different thing on advertising on Walmart that doesn't have to be that way. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think you're right that most would agree with you that Walmart should, you know, move to that different type of auction model and that should help unlock dollars because 
you know, if all else equal, that will allow agencies and advertisers to understand the relative returns. And Walmart has a lot of strengths at scale being the biggest one. And it should be able to, you know, attract more dollars when compared to some of these other platforms, possibly, theoretically. But it's just difficult to do that analysis until they are, you know, truly apples to apples. The point that you made about there's a collection of brands out there who are going to want to advertise on Walmart no matter what, and they want to be there for the opportunity that customer is a Walmart customer. It's just going to make sense for them. In my universe of sort of more mid-market brands, expanding to a new marketplace or to a new retail media channel comes at a cost. And it's not just the ad spend. It's the time and attention of the e-commerce team. It's the time and resourcing required to find an agency, you know, go through a process, find an agency, appoint them, get them on board, get them moving, managing them, overseeing it. You know, that's whether you've got an outsource or in-source model for managing that channel and that media budget, it's a substantial cost for a mid-market brand. And so retail media platforms like Walmart, if they want to scale beyond the enterprise brand universe and really start to accelerate their advertising revenue, these are things that are very important to a mid-market brand to know that there's going to be a strong ROI from the beginning that there's some sort of apples to apples comparison that they can do against other major retail media channels and recognizing that this is costly from a resources standpoint to actually get started on Walmart media. It's not like, oh, let's just put down 100K and that's that we'll, and we'll see what happens. No. <laughs> there yeah. is a lot of diligence that happens and oversight. So it's got to be very attractive, very simple, very, it's got to make sense to these brands. And so that's where I see like that first price auction format, just being such a liability really to the rest of the system that Walmart's developing. The other related component to this is that Walmart really needs to commit to its marketplace In the sense of marketplace sellers need to have a level playing field to compete against the brands that have a 1P relationship with Walmart and are selling inside their Walmart stores. So let me unpack that a little bit and let me compare it to Amazon. On Amazon, for years now, Amazon has essentially enabled a level playing field between 1P and 3P sellers. And in some respects... 3P sellers sort of had advantages over 1P sellers for a while in terms of the analytics that they had. But 3P sellers, they had all the same, essentially, advertising tools available to them that 1P sellers had. And Amazon took a neutral stance in terms of awarding the advertising slot to a 3P seller over a 1P seller. There were a number of factors that went into that, but there was no sort of corporate tension around favoring 1P versus 3P. Inside of Walmart, however, marketplace sellers are considered to be deprioritized to some degree on the site. And part of that is because of the complexity that comes with online pickup. And so it can be a little bit confusing to the consumer around like, wait a minute, can I pick this up in the store? Is this going to be shipped to me? So Walmart has to 
balance those elements and the marketplace just creates kind of additional complexity. But I don't believe that Walmart has really committed to, from a strategic perspective, saying we're going to treat marketplace sellers, we're going to give them the same ability to compete as our 1P brands have. And so that's part of the calculus, Kiri, that I think matters to the brands that, that you work with that are on the 3P side. Hey, not only is this a lot of time and energy and we have to learn a new auction model and ultimately like, is this going to pay off? Well, if they feel like they can't necessarily compete as effectively against 1P brands on Walmart's marketplace as they can on Amazon, that's sort of like another element to why they might you know, resist putting in the time and investing in the resources to make that happen. Yeah, it's interesting. Something I've heard from Walmart here and there is that there is visibility of the marketplace sellers insofar as if you're a successful marketplace seller, it's going to give you a inside track to being stocked by Walmart directly. And I think that that's the dream. (laughs) That's a very compelling story for a lot of brands as well that have that as a goal. So it's a good lure in to the marketplace model, even though, as you say, it can be challenging for the brands. There is, I think, more, to be fair, a lot more capabilities in this area than have been in the past, like Walmart fulfillment services, et cetera. And, you know, the ability to use paid media and stuff like that. So it's certainly possible. We have clients who are wholesale vendors to Walmart and marketplace sellers as well. And there's challenges on both sides. So just like Amazon, there's no kind of panacea of the perfect business model to engage with them. So let's move on to some of the positives and looking at the big picture. I know that you think that Walmart's really on the right track here overall. So tell us more about that. Yeah, I think Walmart's team really deserves recognition for its vision and how it communicates that vision publicly. So I'm not saying they're doing everything right, but I do think they stand out Mm. amongst their omni-channel peers, just in terms of how consistent they are in communicating this digital first vision. And I think that's, you know, something to applaud. And I think that's important. You obviously have to do more than just talk the talk, but I think they are to a large degree. I just think, and it relates to the commentary around marketplace sellers and are they really committed to them? I just wonder how much time and energy is spent around balancing like the physical store business, sort of the money-making machine that is dealing with the big brands versus this movement towards digital commerce. And does that calculus slow them down too much? Like how much of that having to consider that constantly prevents them from like moving fast and like, quote unquote, breaking things. Now, Amazon's probably on the other end of this, right, where they have these small teams and they move as fast as possible and they innovate and they're going a bunch of different directions. Uh And that, as you said, that has its own sort of problems. By the way, I don't necessarily have the right answer for Walmart. It is a difficult balance because they do have this big money making machine and established processes and everything. But I just think it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves over the next year, next couple of years. It'll be interesting to see how Seth Dallaire is going to influence this over time coming from Amazon and more recently Instacart. So just that big picture, this tension, you know, traditional legacy business and sort of this future, and they just do such a good job talking 
about the future and creating a vision around the future. Yep. And so how is that ultimately going to come to fruition in terms of like doing business with Walmart? And are they going to be able to really make the vision a reality? That's what I'm like most interested in watching with Walmart over the next couple of years. Yeah. And that's a great point about Seth Dallaire as well. Obviously, he's a very impressive guy, amazing track record. And yeah, definitely all eyes on Seth at Walmart to see to what extent these things that we've talked about are going to come to fruition. So as we're wrapping up here, Ross, tell us a little bit more about Stratably and big research projects that you have coming up that might be interesting to listeners of this show. Yeah. So for those that aren't real familiar with Stratably, I started the business last year. So I'm about five months in, six months in, and it's just been really encouraging to see the response. I've got subscribers across the ecosystem. It's professionals at consumer brands, at you know some of the largest brands in the world, but also smaller brands. It's agencies, it's ad tech providers, it's mm. retailers, all of these just sort of like different people across the industry that are reading Stratably. It's just been so great to see and it's so energizing. It's what gets me excited each day to continue to develop analyses and perspectives around the market. So for all of you listening that have subscribed, you know, thank you so much. And if you haven't, check out Stratably.com and see what a lot of your peers are reading. In terms of future research, you know, retail media, which we talked a lot about today, it is just so transformational to both retailers and consumer brands. It's just going to require such significant change in how brands do business, how they're organized, the types of roles they hire, what brand marketers focus on. It's impacting the role of VP of e-commerce. It's just, it's such a transformational thing. So that's one of the big areas that I'm going to be doing more and more research on this year, this intersection around retail media, social commerce, and the organization. That's just going to be a big theme that I keep exploring in different angles in 2022. I just feel like we're at the very early stages of it. And there's an underappreciation across the industry of just how transformative it's really going to be. So that's one of the big topics I'm excited about covering. Oh, you and me both. This is like the, we're going to spend the next five years on this question. (laughs) How do you allocate your budget? How do you actually track how it's performing and there's new media channels emerging and what are your assessment criteria for that? Just understanding the path to purchase and how that's changed and the attribution of different media and marketing channels in a consumer journey. It is really the dawn of something new. So I'm definitely right there with you. I'm following all the work that you're doing at Stratably. I love it. It's a great newsletter and I do recommend everyone check it out at stratably.com. Thank you for joining me again, Ross. Thank you so much, Kiri. I really appreciate all the great content and research you put out there and so glad you invited me back. <laughs>